Welcome to the PhD Talk podcast. I'm Eva Lanza, a professor in civil engineering and blogger on the side. And I am Sarah Cameron, PhD student and work in organizational psychology. In this podcast, we talk about PhD research and interview current PhD candidates, as well as those who work closely with them. We hope you'll stick around. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the PG Talk podcast. This is episode 86 and today we'll be talking about doctoral defenses. Um, now, the reason why we are talking about this topic is not in line this time with Sarah's progress of the PhD. For her, the, mm-hmm. the defense is still to come in the future. But with that said, I was curious, Sarah, have you had the chance already to... Um, to attend to a defense of somebody in your department, maybe? Uh, I have. So I attended the defense of a postdoc who is now in our department, and it was when he was defending his PhD that he completed at the VU in Amsterdam. And so I know that the structure is somewhat different, um, but it was, uh, yeah, an interesting experience for me and kind of a window. I think I watched it. He defended his PhD weeks before I started my own. So it was a window into Mm -hmm. what um, I will have to do in three, maybe four years. Mm -hmm. And was that a hybrid defense or was it fully in person? It was hybrid. So it was, I guess, kind of pre-Omicron. It was last September, I believe. And so Mm -hmm. there were a good number of people there, but also committee members from think the United States who couldn't travel. Um, and so, yeah. yeah, indeed, it was hybrid. Mm-hmm. And so that was a defense at the VU in Amsterdam. So that was a defense in the Netherlands. So I wonder if the procedure there is exactly the same as in, in Delft, as in that they have exactly one hour and there is very strict protocol and there is the, the beetle that marks the end of the hour in a like ritual way. Yeah, that's, it, it seemed very traditional and they're in their robes and there's a man with a big staff. It looks like something out of Lord <laughs> of the Rings. Uh, yeah, so quite, quite traditional. Mm-hmm. Yes. So maybe for our listeners, a, a few points here that make the, the Dutch defenses the way they are is that they start with a presentation of about 20 minutes which is for the audience and the committee is not there yet. And the actual defense itself is exactly one hour in length and follows very strict protocol that is set by, of course, by the university doctoral regulations, as well as the person in charge, the man with the stick or the woman with the stick, the the beetle, who makes sure all the committee members and the doctoral candidate and uh, the paranyms, if there are, to adhere to to that very strict protocol. And um, I don't know, in the defense that you attended, were there paronyms or was it just doctoral candidate? Uh, I think it was just the doctoral candidate, but I might not be, maybe I didn't notice them. Okay, yeah. So in the Netherlands, doctoral candidates, they are allowed to have up to two paronyms. And those are people that also have to be dressed according to the protocol protocolary rules and they can sit by the side of the doctoral candidate and they can for example read one of the propositions and when there is a question about that so they they are there to assist the candidate in 
but with their presence mostly, and they can read um, when asked, but essentially they are there to to provide uh, moral support and, and sit mm-hmm. by their side and not really to provide help with uh, answering the questions itself. Hmm. Um, perhaps changing a little bit topic here, um, do you have any defenses that you'll be attending in the near future in Brussels? I do. There's another colleague in our research group who will be finishing her PhD sometime this fall. So uh, this is something I guess that we can touch on as well, that the structure in Belgium is a little bit different. And so yes. she'll have her public defense, I think, in December, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, that's definitely one that I would attend. Yes. yes. And I think that you already touched there on the difference that you mentioned that it's a public defense. And of course, the defense in the Netherlands is public as well. But as I understood correctly, Belgium has first a private defense, which is very similar to the Viva of the United Kingdom, where you are behind closed doors with the committee that can ask um, maybe the more uh, detail-oriented questions. And then the thesis get published, and then uh, comes the, the public defense, which is more the ceremonial part of it that is similar to the ceremonial Dutch defense. Mm-hmm. That's my understanding as well. And that the public defense isn't really maybe something much to worry about. It's more for, yeah, as you say, mm-hmm. ceremonial purposes, but that the private defense, you really do need to prepare and expect to be yes. in some cases challenged quite intensely mm-hmm. by the professors on the committee. Yes, and I think in the Netherlands that part is replaced with perhaps one-on-one meetings with the committee members before they kind of sign off on the on the thesis as with their stamp of approval. Yeah, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, as I understand it, the moment a student in the Netherlands comes to their PhD defense, it's unlikely that they would then get the response from the committee. Okay, no, this isn't good enough. You don't. Not just in the Netherlands, I would say if a candidate is cleared to defend, even in systems like the United Kingdom, where the decision comes after the defense, it's very unlikely that somebody will fail the the defense and the thesis. I think the um, there has been done some research on institutional requirements in the United Kingdom, and the authors found that, yes, some universities do have provisions for how to fail a candidate upon um, unsatisfactory defense. But the expectation is that a supervisor wouldn't clear the candidate to defend if there are still lacks in the research. So it's, it's as well seen as not just as something very difficult for the candidate, but also a major failure of the supervisor. I think the only valid reasons than somebody could say are valid reasons to fail a candidate at the moment of the defense is if unethical behavior has been exposed or they found plagiarism mm-hmm. and then and even then it the expectation is if somebody something like that would be discovered then Hopefully you discover it not during the defense itself, but prior to that and you cancel the event so that the, the candidate is warned as well about uh, the serious uh, objections that the committee may have. Yeah, yeah. And in the Belgian system, maybe this is something I should know. Uh, how 
I guess, substantive are the comments that the committee might come with? Would it take months and months of work or is it more minor comments, do you think? Or does it vary depending on the student? I'm, I'm not quite sure, but um, what I've read and, and from the testimonies that I've collected over in the past on, on my blog, I since since the private defense is similar to the Viva in the United Kingdom, there it really depends on the decision that the candidate gets, whether they have major revisions, minor revisions, or mm. uh, past, uh, clear pass. And I think the maximum they get for major revisions would be up to six months, if I recall well. And so it can be still a substantial amount of time if it still requires substantial additional research. Um, but mm-hmm. again, that is is only in a minority of the cases. Uh, in most, most cases, the, the comments will be minor and they take maybe a, a couple of weeks to implement. Okay. Yeah, it feels very far off for me. So I'm not really, mm-hmm. there's many things I need to do before I get to that stage. So I'm not really thinking too mm-hmm. seriously about it. Yes. Mm. And what do you remember of your own PhD defense? It's been a while. Um, mm-hmm. I remember that it was, of course, very ceremonial. I was quite nervous at the first question and I I didn't answer it perhaps in the way I would have wanted to answer it because it was a question that that consisted of three parts and I should have taken notes and structured my answer better. Um, but other than that, I think it was it was nice to have the very ceremonial defense and that my friends and family could come over. And of course, we had nice celebrations after that. So it was uh, a very positive experience, I would say. Mm, okay, yeah. No, and I mean, it's there's so much work and stress and uh, uncertainty and pressure that goes into it. I mean, lots of good things as well, but it's, I think also in academia, there's not always moments to celebrate. And so the PhD offense really is one of those big moments. And even if you, if you are having a public defense, like in the second defense in Belgium and the public defense in the Netherlands, you know that, that something really, really bad has to happen for you to fail or Mm -hmm. say something really, really bad has to happen so that uh, a committee member can show up and also the spare committee member can't make it. And you just, can't have the defense but except for that um it's unlikely that you'll fail and still there is the the pressure or the stress that you feel that you want to do well for friends and family that are there and for the committee so it's it's not just a ceremony and not just a celebration it still has a component of wanting to perform well yeah, yeah. And for yourself as well, there's because there's the ceremonial aspect, you don't want to mm-hmm. you want to leave on a high note, I can imagine. Yes, exactly. And when you're um working with graduate students, what advice would you give them on how to best prepare for a PhD defense? Sure, yeah. It, it really depends on the type of defense one will have and preparing for the defense in the United Kingdom is going to be very different from preparing for the defense in the Netherlands. So I think, first of all, understanding what is expected from you. And if you have questions about that, to read the doctoral regulations, uh, 
um, try to attend the fences so you get a feeling for what they look like. And if you are in doubt, clarify the expectations because they're one of the things that comes out of the research on doctoral defenses and, and perception of, of students on the defenses is that sometimes, or in too many cases, students rely on advice from somebody has, who has recently defended or, um, and, and, and that may be just based on one person's experience, but it may not be the general advice. So uh, I think the most important thing is to know then what, what is really expected, what the outcome of the defense can be, what, what you need to prepare, what type of questions you can expect, and to, to prepare as well, to, if possible, to have a mock defense so that you can get used to thinking on your feet as you are there and to, to address yeah. some, some curveball questions and prepare, practice a presentation if you have a presentation, practice with, with friends, practice with, with others so that you practice answering the questions and to practice being articulate under stress. And that's, that's essentially one of the things that, that is tested during the defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that's great advice. And on the flip side, when you're on uh, the, the committee for a defense, what do you do to prepare? Yeah, so... The first thing that I do, of course, is to read the thesis and, and provide uh, comments to the student. And I like reading on either a printed out copy or my tablet and write by hand. So that's, uh, um, that's the way I prepare for it. Ideally, I read everything through in one sitting so that I can keep my focus on it. But finding the chunk of time to read through an entire doctoral thesis is not something I usually have. So usually I, I try at least to to write chapter by chapter, sorry, to read chapter by chapter and to, uh, for example, spend consecutive days in the evening reading two chapters per evening and marking it up so that I have the whole arch of the arguments in my head. Um, after I've read the thesis, I will give my, my comments to the student and I uh, also make sure I I have a, a copy of my comments so that I, I know afterwards what I had comments about. Um, because then, uh, depending on the time span, and of course in the Netherlands, the time between giving feedback and the defense can be a bit longer because the thesis has to be printed and published and all that. So um, getting back to thinking, okay, what, what, what were my comments? Have they been addressed? And based on that, preparing questions is then my next step. And I typically just go back through my comments, go back through the thesis uh, to, to outline a number of questions. I also think of some maybe general questions that could be a good question, like um, general implications, things like that. And I prepare around five questions I think for the defense that I'll be going to next week, I have prepared seven questions. I know I can only ask one, but the reason why I prepare more than one question is, of course, then I will coordinate with the other committee members what they will be what they will be asking, and I have enough backup questions to uh, <laughs> to to have ammunition or to have. Well, that sounds kind of uh, aggressive if I talk about ammunition, but to to have enough. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> to have enough options up on my sleeve to, to ask a question that is not too much in line with what the others will be asking about. Yeah, yeah. And how is the committee for a defense typically selected? It, so it depends on the doctoral regulations and in the Netherlands there is of course the there has to be the representative of the rector there has to be the promoter and co-promoter at least in the committee then there has to be a number of external committee members that cannot be from the same university and or from the same department and then there are requirements of the number of committee members that need to be full professors and the number that need to, uh, well, all of them, of course, have, have to have a doctorate, but the, there's a as well a, a division between the num- minimum number of full professors versus uh, additional mm. that may be as, assistant or associate or people with a doctorate from outside, from industry, typically. Okay. And is that something then that the university, the doctoral schools would help the PhD student organize or how does that process typically go? Uh, In terms of organizing the defense and contacting the committee members and doing the official communication that goes through the graduate school of the university, but selecting and identifying and kind of counting the number of full professors and the number of this and the number of that and making sure the the collection is correct. That's up to the, the candidate and the promoters and Promoters and co-promoters. Yeah, I guess as a you, that's I can imagine that's not something you as PhD student to all alone. Mm-hmm. Your supervisor or your promoter would also yes. help you. Yeah. And then, last but not least, I'm wondering if we could briefly discuss what you perceived as the impact of COVID nineteen on on PhD defenses. Yeah, I think uh, COVID-19 probably has been the largest impact on some of the very traditional defenses is in the Netherlands. In the past, there were absolutely no virtual components to the defense. And now we see much more that during the height of the restrictions, there were defenses where maybe just the candidate and the promoter and co-promoter were allowed to be at the university in the Uh, official room for the defenses in the Netherlands and then the other committee members would be joining by teams and colleagues and friends and family would be watching through um, at the Delftis College Rama the the streaming service of the university and we see more and more than uh, some defenses are fully virtual some defenses are hybrids uh, for the defense that I will be traveling to next week, my uh, I had the choice between traveling and having a hybrid uh, collaboration. And I, I decided to, to travel and, and combine it with some other pending uh, tasks that I have in the Netherlands and meetings. But I, I could have dialed in and uh, I, I still would have to be at 4 a.m. behind my computer in my toga, but uh, instead of my pajamas. But um, yeah, so the the protocolary requirements are still there, uh, but it's now more flexible in terms of being able to join remotely. Mm, yeah, I can imagine for some committee members, uh, that's nice to not have to travel as often. 
Yes, absolutely. And I, I certainly am trying to reduce my, my travel, um, not just in terms of time commitment, but also carbon footprint and just general arranging things at home. So I, I try to limit myself to two trips per semester now and uh, uh, being able to remotely participate, participate in defenses is certainly a big advantage. Yeah, yeah. And I can imagine that that will just happen more and more often mm-hmm. um, as universities and, well, individual professors think more seriously about their the, the carbon impact of uh, an academic career. Mm-hmm. All right. So this has been episode 86 in which we talked about doctoral defenses. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and we'll be back next week with more on PhD life and research mechanics. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>